Berkshire Football Stories is sponsored by Berks County Football Club. The Swords are now ground sharing for the 2020-21 season at Binfield FC. If you're looking for your football fix in the area, check out Berks County's fixture list and head down to Hill Farm Lane this season to see local players striving for promotion. You can see all the latest fixtures, results and much more at www.barkscountyfc.com. Hello and welcome to the Berkshire Football Stories podcast with me, Tom Canning, and him, Rob Davis. Welcome to series three of our podcast where we chat to players, managers and volunteers at our non-league clubs throughout Berkshire. Uh, In series two, we recorded remotely during lockdown. We produced around 46 podcasts. You can go back and listen to as part of our pub, but not in a pub chat series. Um, And I think we almost did one daily at that point. I'm going to change this intro at some point, Rob, because we've said this four times in a row now. Um, Obviously, we're not going to do quite as crazy amount as that this time, um, but you can see all those podcasts from us by searching Berkshire Football Stories on your favourite podcast app, and you can follow us on Twitter at FI Berkshire and find out more at www.footballinberkshire.co.uk. Um, today, we have a chairman in the house on our little Zoom call, Rob. Um, it is Pat Chambers, the chairman of Hungerford Town. Hello, Pat. Hello. And you're, you're joining us from the, the lovely surrounds of the New Forest this, this afternoon. I am, yeah. I'm, I'm actually down on one of the uh, parks that I uh, do work on. My, my, my day job is we develop and sell residential park homes. So I'm at uh, yeah, New Forest Park, just two miles from Leap Beach. But oh. Not a sunny day. Not a sunny day. <laughs> <laughs> so you, say, you say sort of day job. You mean, you mean Hungerford Town isn't, isn't 24-7? <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, it feels like it's been 24-7. And if you ask my wife, it is 24-7 for her. She she puts in incredible hours. In fact, she's she's there right now still putting some of the finishing touches. Whatever you say, I know it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey. Yeah. I, I want to go kind of just right back to the start with you because you, you've been you've been chairman of Hungerford for, I think you said, just over a year last April. And you, and you came in towards the end of the 2018-19 season. Um, wh- why? Because, <laughs> because I, you know, I've been involved uh, at a board level at a non-league football club and it's hard work. Why? <laughs> it, it sure is. So it, it was quite funny, really, how it happened. Um, I'm a Nottingham Forest fan. Um, Nottingham born and bred but obviously I now live in West Berkshire I live in I live in a little village called Eastbury 15 minutes from Bullpit Lane and not practical to go and watch Forest really you know when you live that far away and I actually used to work with the chairman of Sirencester Town Steve Abley and he used to talk about Hungerford and they had this money man Nigel Warwick and and I kept saying to my wife, I need a hobby. I need to, I'm going to go and watch Hungerford Town. I'm going to go and watch a bit of non-league football. And I, I'd never watched non-league football in my life. And one month went to another month, never got down. And then all of a sudden I'm getting ready one morning and my wife's reading something on Facebook. Out the chairman's leaving Hungerford, the treasurer, the secretary's going, the manager's probably quitting. And she sort of said, bit tongue-in-cheek, oh, you'd make a good chairman. So I said, well, I'm, I'm, I was just looking for a for a hobby. And uh, to cut a long story short, eight days later, I, I was the chairman-elect. And it was like being in a beauty competition with no other contestants. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Pat, go on. No, that was it. That was it. <laughs> so so had you been, uh, how um, often had you been to Hungerford before you became the chairman? I hadn't. 
<laughs> I, I went to, I went to watch them. The first game actually they got beat by Slough Town um, on on that particular day. I met members of the committee, obviously the chairman who was leaving, the treasurer, the secretary, etc. And um, yeah, just thought, well, why not? An another guy, Carl Reed, uh, had showed a bit of interest in. It, I, I think he'd seen it online as well. He came in as vice chairman. Unfortunately, he, he sadly got he, he, he ended his involvement with the club last Christmas, but that was due to some work commitments. And, and yes, it financially they they were definitely in a pickle. You know, they'd had a benefactor for I know around six years, who was putting in anywhere between sixty and eighty thousand pounds a year, uh, so a lot of money. Um, it was certainly his efforts that got us to the National League South. You know, we're now in our fifth season at this level. Um, it's well documented. You know, Bobby Wilkinson left, went to Wealdstone. Um, and then Nigel Warwick, the sort of chairman and the benefactor, just felt he needed to step away. So I guess I got involved, what, 18 months after that? So the committee had done their very, very best to try and steady the ship, keep it afloat. They'd hit problems where they couldn't afford wages. They'd obviously been in relegation battles mm. and Ian Herring, you know, miraculously, you know, escaped on the last day of the season. Funny enough, against the same team. Both, both times and I was I was part of that second great escape and felt you know well I think I can raise the funds in was telling me sort of the figures that he felt we needed as an absolute minimum to compete and to be honest with you that was still too much money you know we we couldn't afford it and sadly last February some bad weather we lost a couple of home games to the weather had a couple of Saturday fixtures, moved to a Tuesday because opponents were involved in the cup, which I was naive. I didn't know anything about how football clubs ran. Not sh about 30% off your turnover, a Saturday match moving to a Tuesday night. And clearly, you know, things had to, had to change. You know, we just couldn't afford to be who we were. The previous season, the committee had actually voted to take voluntary relegation, which I wouldn't have agreed with. Um, but the members voted that down. So when COVID hit and we had our last game March the 14th, um, it, 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 it probably saved us, if I'm honest. Uh, we were still about two, three weeks behind on player wages at that point. We were able, obviously, to furlough the players then till the end of April and they accepted the 80%, as, as did Ian. And it gave me a chance to just recalibrate the club I uh, said to the committee, look, what we need to do is not think that we can't afford to compete at this level. We need to just spend what we can afford and see where that takes us. If that means you get relegated on the pitch, then so be it. But we were at a situation where every penny was being pumped into a squad of players. We had leaking roof on the clubhouse, no maintenance had been done and it. I think it became unbearable for the committee. You know, you're in a relegation battle. You're not particularly enjoying your football. You're skint. You've got committee members sometimes that are putting money in, extra money to pay player wages. And it was just a bad spiral and a lot of negativity. Um, Ian then decided to resign at the end of the season official after we discussed 
what we could do for the following season. He knew exactly what the finances were going to be, and he felt that he, you know, what he wanted to do and what we could afford. There was a mismatch there, so he left. We had, well, I don't know, about 19 applications within days. <laughs> and perhaps it was one of our players that sent me a text um, saying, would you speak to Danny Robinson? Who obviously was at Thatcham, yeah. had won the Vars, probably were going to get promoted. Yes. So, you know, without COVID, we probably would have been relegated. They probably would have been promoted and we'd have been playing each other this season. Um I managed to meet Danny uh, in the circumstances because we were in lockdown then, of course, so it was not easy. But we met outside, spaced out, and truthfully, within 10 minutes, I, I knew I knew he was the one. And there we go. <laughs> so is it is it fair i get from from kind of what you're saying pat that obviously covid has been have been a horrible thing that's happened throughout the world but actually for hungerford town albeit there's you know there's been money you've not made through games and and all of this kind of thing but actually it it, it, it sounds like actually it's been a real positive thing for hungerford town football club um it, it sounds would it? What would have happened at the end of the sea at the end of the last season? Do you think, had the club been relegated, what would your position have been? I guess, I guess it's hypothetical, but but would you have sort of just, well, let's recalibrate in a shorter period of time and and go for the bounce back, or 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 or, or did COVID literally save the club? No, no, I, 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 it sounds awful to even say it, but yeah, no, absolutely, COVID, whilst it's been tragic, you know, loss of life people losing jobs, businesses, you know, going out of business, the high streets, it's been catastrophic for society. But there has been a silver lining for Hungerford Town Football Club. It did save us and put us in a position, not only did it save us financially, um, but it also saved our position in the National League Mm -hmm. South. So we didn't even have to contemplate relegation. To, To be fair, they did, you know, it became clear fairly quickly that there was going to be no relegation at step two. All that was really in the balance at that time, if you remember, was would there be promotion, would yeah. there be playoffs? Um, and then, of course, there was all the talk about they wanted to have the playoffs, so they had to have elite status. So we were treated the <laughs> same as premiership clubs, which, again, me included, I put my hand up, we are all thinking, elite, what, we've got to do all this, you know, to be able to train... But then again, that actually came and saved us, didn't it? You know, we were able to start the season in October. Uh, we did have the pledge of funds, although at the time we didn't know how much they were going to be. So it was a little bit of a leap of faith. Mm. Um, but I literally had taken £70,000 out of our budget. You know, our budget is genuinely under £100,000. And that includes manager, coaches, physio and players, which very few people believe. Our budget last season was 166,000. And, you know, Danny, he has to take pretty much all of the credit along with his coaches. He's recruited very well. He's brought in step four, step three players that he felt just might be able to cope with the step up, had the right attitude. And with a sprinkling of players like James Rusby, who's now in his seventh season with us, Mike Jones. Uh, Matt Bay Hargreaves, players that 
we already knew could play at this level. Plus two returning players, you know, Callum Wilmoth, Mike Partridge, who had left Hungerford, ended up at Thatcham. So we had, he's, he's brought in a really interesting mix of players. Um, he's very intense. He's meticulous. His preparation for match day, which I've witnessed, I've been to the sessions where he analyses the opposition, what we, what we did wrong at the last match, what we've got to do better. And it, you can't fault him. You know, for a manager who's the youngest in our league, now Jamie O'Hara's gone from Billericay, you know, he's 34, but he's been a manager since he was 22. So he had a lot of experience, whereas Ian, I felt for him to a degree, you know, he was a bit of a hero at the club. He'd been one of their best players. And I think when Bobby Wilkinson went, some of the players went, I think the committee thought, right, well, we'll make Ian Herring and John Boardman joint player managers. That secures their two best players. Then when John went, well, well, we'll stick with Ian as player manager. He avoided the drop. So you're obviously going to go into the next season. And he avoided the drop again. So, but Ian never had that opportunity to be a number two at a club. You know, he, he was literally thrown in at the deep end. And I, I think having to try and do everything, you know, it's huge. And, and last season, you know, my knowledge of being a chairman, what I could do, how I could help, I, I was still learning the job. Uh, whereas now, I, I feel I know enough to give Danny the absolute support he needs. So I do all the negotiations with the players. So Danny decides who he wants to bring in, then he introduces to me. And I have that tough conversation where our finances are limited. And we know we've got players that could be earning £100, £200 more in lower divisions where we've persuaded them to try and prove themselves. And, you know, it, it's working. Brilliant. You discussed so much there. There's so much to pick up on. But um, as you were mentioning about Danny Robinson, uh, and you said how uh, um, after 10 minutes of talking to him, uh, the first time you met him, you knew he was the guy. What qualities was it that you saw in that meeting that you, you think, right, that's, that's what we need at Hungerford? I think there's two things. I like backing younger, ambitious people. I've done that in my business life. And I think you can spot that character in somebody. You know, he, he's been successful wherever he's been. You know, he'd had those five years at Thatcham, two promotions, you know, winning the Vars on the edge of another promotion. Um, and he really wanted it. He, he, he just wanted the opportunity to manage at our level. He was desperate for the job and he made it very clear he wanted to come to Hungerford Town he felt he felt he'd gone as far as he could with that and I guess you know their season ending and having no promotion I guess that must have knocked the stuffing out of him a bit and he just needed a change and he he just made me believe in him and I thought well if he can make me feel like that what could he do to a player does your, do you think your wife regrets suggesting that you could, uh, given that she's also got a role in this as well? Yeah, she's she's got a big role. Um, no, she she's got no regrets. She she loves that little club and she treats those players unbelievably. She cooks for them. She looks after them. You know, uh, I know she's made them a trifle for tomorrow after the match, <laughs> after the dinners, and yeah, you know, she she looks after the the um, tea bar as well on match days she, she does loads of work 
and she's been brilliant in having to put the protocols together, all the paperwork. You know, there's a lot of work even behind closed doors, you know, doing all the passes, who can come in, who can't come in, where they can sit, where they can't sit. It's now she she she's absolutely thrown herself into it. And I think the club actually probably really grateful that, you know, they've got a chairman who who's very active and I'd like to think, you know, from a business point of view, quite astute. Um, but a wife who's there you know, shoulder to the wheel, you know, we, we, we come as a package. <laughs> so uh, um, you mentioned earlier that uh, previously the, the club were putting a lot of its budget into the wages and you've sort of changed the priorities a little bit now so that um, uh, like you spend what you spend and you, that where, wherever you're left, that's where you are. What would you say are the priorities now of the club? So obviously it's not, as focused on the uh, the playing squad, perhaps, but um, what would you say sort of are the, are the things that you focus on for um, for the club? We're still focused on having the absolute best playing squad we, we can afford. So I think the football is still number one focus. We want to stay in the National League South. And I made it very clear to Danny Wright from the beginning that his job is to keep a minimum of three teams behind him this season, even though, only one is guaranteed to go down, but it could be two. Um, so his challenge was keepers in this division. I think it's a good message to other clubs out there that if a club can compete at this level with a you know the smallest average crowd, the smallest budget, you know we live in a postcode of five and a half thousand people. It's a real positive message to other football teams out there that yeah, you can do it. Yes, we are punching above our weight. You know, I use the hashtag small but mighty all the time on Twitter. And just to get that feeling around the ground that it's not all about money. It's about looking after your players. So whilst we might not be able to pay them the most money, we treat them really well. They're, they're well respected. We will try and help out if there's some medical issues. So we'll we'll perhaps put our money into other things. We They've all got great new kit. They've got all the Under Armour stuff that we make them feel special. And then around the ground, we've been able to now spend a bit of money on fixing the roof. It doesn't leak anymore. We've done a bit of a lick of paint here. We, you know, we've built the new stand. That's all been done by volunteers. So we spend very, very little money on outside contractors. We're lucky that we have a lot of volunteers. Uh, you know, and in that first season, you know, I raised around £60,000 in donations and sponsorships. And yet that still wasn't enough to keep paying, you know, we, so we had to learn from that because that's a lot of money. Mm. Now we're still bringing in around that sort of figure in donations and sponsorship, even though we're playing behind closed doors, which has been phenomenal. Um, but no, the, the whole vibe of the place, you know, listen, Danny's ambitious. You know, we sat in fifth place. We were very, for a very small amount of time, we were top. Um, I believe he will keep us in the top half that that's what I believe he's capable of with the squad of players. We might need to bring in, you know, the odd lone player, add a bit of quality here and there. Um, but I, I honestly believe he, he can keep us in that top half. And, and who knows, he, you know, he, he'll be going for the playoffs. You know, he doesn't talk about it, you know, but I know, I know what that man is like. He wants to win and he's drilling it into his players that you're not here to make up the numbers. 
you're not going to get rolled over. You're not going to get relegated. We can compete with anybody. You know, we've beaten Dorking. We've beaten Slough. We've drawn, we drew with St Albans. You know, we lost a couple of matches by a single goal. Yeah, Oxford City put us to the sword Tuesday night. I think the lads were running on empty. They've emptied the tank a good few times. And Oxford City came off the back of, you know, a tough defeat in the cup against Shrewsbury League opposition. But boy, they just carried on playing at the same intensity. And we they, they played us off the park, to be fair. Pat, is, is Hungerford Town Football Club sustainable? And if, if it's not, how do you get there? It's sustainable with the budget we've set. Absolutely. You know, with our average crowd, if that... Had, if, so if we were in a normal yes. season, non-COVID, and our average crowd stayed at 336, we brought in roughly 50, 60,000 in donations and sponsorship, um, bar sales, food sales, absolutely sustainable at the budget we have set. And that's also something that Danny Robinson bought into. I said, I've got to find a model that is sustainable for the club so that the committee who works so hard, we've got so many committee members and volunteers that give up their time, put a bit of money into the club, do so many things. I just wanted them to enjoy the season hmm. instead of, you imagine doing all that work, you're putting money in, but then you are in that relegation battle. You then hit a week where you can't pay the players. You can't enjoy that. It's not enjoyable. Um, so I had to find a model where the club can continue and people can enjoy the involvement with the club so that you don't lose volunteers, you don't lose committee members, which that had started to happen. You know, the reason the chairman, the secretary and the treasurer were walking away when I got involved was because they'd had enough. You know, um, Nigel Warwick, the, the benefactor, pulled that money in. Now he's back involved with the club in a small way. It's part of what I call our business club, where money is put into that club to fund a player or two to help us. He comes to the home games, he's now loving it, but he hasn't got the hassle of being the mm. chairman or the person like, what should we do with this? What should we do with that? And we've we've got that nice mix. Um, and Danny absolutely bought into that. In fact, he won't mind me saying this. So when I made him the exact same wage offer that I'd made to Ian Herring, he actually said to me, no, if I don't take that much, will you put the balance of it towards players? that's the kind of person you're talking about. And I thought, wow, you know, no selfishness. He just wants to be successful. And that's the agreement we had. We won't talk about what that figure was. Used <laughs> the figure we offered him. Now, not many people do that, do they? Not at all. How, how far do you think uh, Hungover can go then? If you think it's sustainable at the moment, at this level, and how, how um, and sort of maintaining a say top half of the table uh national league south club as you as you um alluded to or as you predicted um for this season do you think that is sustainable and how far can that go uh can you go higher or well that's a question isn't it i, mm -hmm. I mean and the original discussions with danny and after watching pre-season a bit of mid-table anonymity. <laughs> really attractive. You know, no relegation battle, but no pressure yeah. on you to try and, you know, compete with the big boys. And to be honest with you, would I take mid-table anonymity come the end of May? Boy, of course I would. Of course <laughs> I would. 
not stupid. Um, you know, what, what he is achieving on the pitch with that squad of players, with what we can afford is, this will be one of the greatest achievements. If we stay even mid-table with our budget or even just above the bottom three, it will probably be the biggest achievement of his managerial career. It would outdo winning the Vars. That's how big. You know, we're playing teams, let's be fair, that are full-time, spending half a million pounds a year, 600,000, 700,000 pounds a year. If you remember, there was talk about setting a wage cap at step two of 500,000 or 600,000, which got rejected, you know? <laughs> so you've got to think how much are some people paying? So how far can we go? Well, you know, Danny's... He's a great motivator. He's got really good coaches. You know, can't stress that enough. It's not one person. Hungerford Town's not about one manager. It's not about one chairman. There's there's a lot of people that put in massive effort, massive desire. He's got good coaches. The players, you can tell they're listening to them. When you watch them play, you can tell they've been well coached, well drilled. They're doing exactly what he asks of them. So if he adds a few more quality players from time to time, I, you know, who knows what we could do? Will more people want to come and play for Hungerford? Who, you know, we're, I, I can't mention any names, but we're talking to a player at the moment who has indicated he would like to come and join our club, who plays at step two. He's heard positive things. He's fairly local to us, let's say, so he's a bit fed up of the travelling of where he's going. Now, would that player have perhaps reached out via his agent or whoever if we weren't doing what we're doing, mm -hmm. if we weren't competing at the top end of the table? Probably not. So we've also just got a lad in from Forest Green Rovers who they bought from Blackburn, paid money for. He's only 20. They've heard good things about our club. They want him to get involved with us and get some experience with us. They've got high hopes of this young lad. Um, or Jack Evans he'll be involved on Saturday whether he'll be in the squad or not I, I don't honestly know but he's, he's our player for the time being on loan you know what will more clubs want to put in some of their good players mm -hmm. into the town because they're going to get well coached they're going to get well managed they're going to get looked after you know will will that help us so everything that's happening at the moment is there's all good vibes coming from it but if that continues to the end of the season Will we be able to recruit, you know, two or three even better players? I don't know. Say about the, the good vibes and everything. Are you surprised at how quickly that has happened, uh, this new setup? I mean, you, you've spoken glowingly about um, uh, Danny and his coaching team and everyone else at the club and uh, the work they're putting in. But um, being top of the league, as you were um, a few weeks ago, and currently being fifth and having the great results. Were you surprised that it's happened that quickly? Yeah, of course. You know, it, it, it wasn't expected. Um, but even in pre-season, you know, I think we got beat once by Salisbury. Um, and we were, we, we were good. You know, we were winning the majority of those matches, drew a couple and you started thinking, wow. But then you think, hold on a minute, don't be stupid. You know, this is Hungerford. We've always been in a relegation battle. We've always been on a minus goal difference. Um, but there was that sneaky feeling. You just thought, hmm. And then that first home game against Chippenham, you know, 3-0, very convincing, very comfortable win. You thought, wow, you know, that was, 
that was pretty good. <laughs> you know, and, and then some of the, you know, we, we had a very comfortable win at, at Slough the other week. Um, you know, we, we've outperformed a good few teams. You know, Dorking, we go down to 10 men in the 28th minute and it's nil-nil. We beat them 2-0. You know, will anybody else do that to Dorking this season? I doubt it. Um, yeah, we, we're a good team. So, but of course it wasn't expected. You know, nobody expected us to be fighting at the top of the table. You know, so when we were having, you know, it was almost like tongue-in-cheek, it's top of the table clash today against Dorking. It's a top of the table clash against Dartford. You, you're thinking, this is Hungerford. You know, <laughs> but it's great. You know, and the fans yeah. can't wait to see them tomorrow. They have been watching us on the stream, but it's not the same. And football without fans is soulless. You know, I'm lucky that I've been able to watch the team play, but... It's not, it's just not, it's soulless yeah, without things. It's absolutely not the same. Um, Rob, unless you've got anything else, we'll just wrap up things there, if that's, if that's all right. Uh, I've got one question, go on. sort of a two-parter, I guess. But, um, um, I was just going to ask you what your biggest learning has been over the last year and a half or so, and a second part of it, uh, what advice would you give to any potential chairman looking to uh, move into football? Considering <laughs> 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 you've had quite the learning curve, I think. Oh, huge, huge learning curve. Um, you know, I, I've been involved in lots of businesses. I, you know, I, went, I was self-employed from the age of 17 years old and built some big businesses in my time. But running a football club, it all goes out the window. You know, the emotion, committee members, fans, players, managers, it's, there's nothing like it. So what, I sort of walked in thinking, yeah, well, you know, I've run huge businesses with millions of pounds turnover. I, I, I've got this. Um, wow. <laughs> so wrong. So, so wrong. But very important, I think, to then become a businessman and actually think, no, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that because the manager wants it. I'm not going to do that because the groundsman says he needs it. I'm not going to do that because the fans say they want it. I'm going to do what we can afford. We'll have the pitch prepared as best we can. We'll, we'll do everything the best we can, but within our means. I think too many football clubs and too many chairmen, they get swayed and they, they let their heart run their head and they start putting too much money into the clubs which then that's dangerous for the future of the club. Don't get me wrong. I still probably one of the biggest funders of the club, but it's in a sensible manner. It's replaceable. Somebody putting in 50, 60, 70, 80,000 pound a year at this level, that's not sustainable. And that person walks away. The club is just broken, broken. And you've seen it with Bolton, you've seen it with Wigan, you know, how many teams have you, know, have you seen in Macclesfield? Take the money man away, boom, it just falls apart like House of Cards. And who suffers? The locality, the hardcore fans where, you know, they're desperate to just watch their team play in any division. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, we all want to win. but So I, that would be my biggest advice. Don't let your heart rule your head. Do your homework. Listen, do, do more listening at first. To, don't do too many yeses. <laughs> um, and then try and think how you can really help the club. And Danny and I work amazingly well together. We know where the line is. You know, we, he'll ask my opinion on 
how do you think he went Saturday? What do you think to that player? And and I'm happy to tell him, but obviously I, I'm I'm doing it through the eyes of a fan. I, I think I know when a player puts a shift in. I've watched enough football, you know, I'm 60 years old, but I would never try and pick a team, which I think some chairmen possibly do do. Um, but then likewise, from a financial point of view, Danny leaves all of that completely with me. So he'll speak to a player, he'll tell him what our pay... Um, get yourself on but let me tell you my chairman will be open and will be honest with you so I I help him with my business skills in negotiations to try and help him get that good player and to, to get them across the line and they've acted quite well to the fact the chairman phones them up mm. to say look I understand my manager would really like you to join the squad you know unfortunately we can't afford to pay you mm. what you're actually worth that doesn't mean we don't think you're worth it. It means my priority is to make sure I look after the club first, but we'd love you to join us. And we we win hearts and minds. You know, we make them feel special. We make them want to come and play for Hungerford Town. And uh, so use your skills to help your manager. I, I wasn't able to do that with Ian. And Ian did like to do all that himself. He just wanted to know what his budget was, go off, get his players, which... There must be lots of managers like that, and I get that. Danny is very open to me supporting him in a way that I can, that helps him. Um, so he just focuses on, let me get that right player, let me persuade him to come and be in my team, and if the chairman can do a deal with him, I'm happy. And every time we have managed to talk a few players around into joining us or staying with us, he's gone, I don't know how you've done that, boss. I don't know how you've done that, but then they, they, they're happy they've made the decision because he, you know, he's a really, really talented manager. He really is. Pat, thank you ever so much for joining us today. Um, really, really do appreciate it. Um, that was the Berkshire Football Stories podcast, Series 3 chat with Hungerford Town Chairman Pat Chambers. You can see more than 50 podcasts by us with the great and the good of the Berkshire non-league scene by searching Berkshire Football Stories on your favourite podcast app. Please subscribe for all the latest. And if you have a minute, please give us a rating and a review. All that's left to say is it's goodbye from me, Tom. Uh, it's goodbye from Rob. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Pat. Yeah, goodbye. Berkshire Football Stories is sponsored by Barks County Football Club. The Swords are now ground sharing for the 2020-21 season at Binfield FC. If you're looking for your football fix in the area, check out Barks County's fixture list and head down to Hill Farm Lane this season to see local players striving for promotion. You can see all the latest fixtures, results and much more at www.barkscountyfc.com.